0: Back again. The greatest weekend for sport in my house in a long, long time. Uh, Even though the Arsenal game wasn't really a fantastic performance. Boy, when that whistle went, I was relieved. Uh, I'd say that you were probably too. But uh, as I said in the blog off the back of Tennessee winning their college football game... Uh, Of course, that's college American football. I'm sure you guys know that. Um, I remember when I was briefly in college uh, that you were lucky if you showed up uh, or even your coach showed up for your college uh, football game. Um, And uh, that was somewhat different than 103,000 people showing up in Knoxville, Tennessee So you guys should check it out sometime if you can, I don't know if you can get it in England or where you can get it, I'm sure YouTube of course has it but um, whether you like American football or not um, I think that uh, it's a a neat experience to see these guys who are not big egos and highly paid, um, a little more relatable um, and of course something that, that in Britain at least that they don't have but I digress, back to Arsenal. Back to Arsenal, that was a wild ride that second half. Um, I didn't think, really, honestly, that Arsenal were going to go back to doing that. That was very much more like last season in some regards. Uh, One good half only. You might remember those days. Uh, But that's okay. That's okay. As I said in the piece, It's important that you learn to win all the different ways so you have that to draw on uh, in your memory and your coach can point to that and you can point to that yourself. As for the sliding doors moment, uh, I sat here and I thought about that prior to recording this, obviously, and I don't know. It's too many. I don't know if there is one. I mean, you could say, well, you know, the uh, penalty kick is an obvious one, but not sure that that changed the game a whole lot. Often, if you um, don't concede a penalty kick, it fires you up and swings the flow of the game, but that really didn't. And you can point to Ramsdale's first uh, save, his, his nuts save, as he said himself, and then Gabrielle did the same thing. Um, there was the miss by Somerville... There was, of course, what happened at the very end with the red card and the penalty. That feels like that sort of swung the game more than any other thing. But that game was just too wild a ride, I think, to pick out one thing. Uh, I would like to pick out one thing that uh, I think will fall under the radar when it comes to a positive, though. I think the performance of the centre-backs... You know, when you're under the cosh like we were, uh, I think sometimes you are just so delighted when anybody gets the ball out, blocks the shot, uh, recovers it, intercepts it, that you don't really care so much about the individuals or even notice the individuals. At least that's how I feel and how I often see football. And after the game finished, uh, I noticed looking back on it, that Gabriel in particular had a wonderful game and uh, that so-called kick-out which was barely a thing. I think Bamford hugely exaggerated it, didn't he? And of course if he didn't, the referee wouldn't have even thought about a red card and I don't think Leeds would have thought about a red card. But you remove that because I think sometimes we get nervous. ...with him and think that he's the one guy on the team that you'd point to... ...if there's going to be a mistake, it would be him. But, you know, he uh, is turning into somewhat of a rock... ...and he's getting better and better. Um, And I've noticed his his passing. He stays in his lane. I love his no-look passing out of the back... ...even though, again, sometimes... It can go wrong and there was one at the beginning I think he gave straight to a Leeds player Uh, but I don't want to focus on the negatives. That guy was so solid, so reliable and the thing I love about Gabriel is he seems so serious and focused which those are two adjectives that I've thrown at the whole team before but he embodies that uh, and uses his attributes um, to their very best. I think on a more regular basis than we're noticing uh he's not the one that's standing out because he's not the new shiny toy like Saliba and he's not scored a goal this year I don't think like he I think he was the top scoring center back in the league last year but he's so solid and I guess the point I want to make with him more than any other is that he is more solid in the area of defending than most defenders in his position in the league and that's not really what the spotlight is being shone on this uh, period of football that we're living through. It's more about their offensive abilities, abilities on the ball. Um, So that's maybe why moving to his partner Saliba that he's been standing out and You know, there was a clinic put on of composure under pressure and Saliba twists out of it very often and I've stopped having any form of heart attack when he decides to dribble out with the outside of his foot and twist and turn and off he goes because he's so very good at it. But um, uh, his skill set is more eye-catching. His ability to, uh, to catch people... Uh, to not be beaten one-on-one, and again, his ability on the ball um, is... uh, He just looks, makes everything look effortless. I remember when I was young, I think there were a few defenders that stood out to me in that regard. Uh, Barrezi and Maldini both. Alan Hansen was one. Uh, In fact, his partner, Mark Lawrenson, same thing. Both of them just... Seem to make football look very easy. They're very upright and statuesque. Um, And uh, anyway, Arsenal haven't had a defender quite like him in a while. And um, both of those guys had to have had stellar games to keep a clean sheet when there was so much pressure. And they did. So let's not forget that. And let's not focus on the uh, mistakes that they made as much as we are willing to praise a very good performance by both of them. Be interesting to see moving forward what happens because Tommy Yasu is sort of knocking on a number of doors in the back four. He could play in any of the four positions. I'm sure you know, but he plays left center back for Japan, which is where, of course, Gabriel plays. Um, so if there ever is a concern, there's a, an opportunity there. Of course, you've got Ben White can play. Probably three of the positions in the back. But I'm not getting into him. I'm going to start talking about Gareth Southgate, and Tyrone Mings, and things like that. So, anyway, um, so there you have it. That was the positive that I wanted to uh, to talk about. the The need that I uh, have been sort of pining for and haven't mentioned for a while is. I'm sort of wishing that, as well as Saka and Martinelli are playing, that I'm wondering why the king of the six-yard box, Gabriel Jesus, as he was at Manchester City scoring most of his goals in the six-yard box, we haven't quite utilised that yet and haven't scored those tap-ins that he was scoring at Manchester City at the back post. So I started to think, well, why was that? and i've come to the realization i suppose that city would uh, most of their goals last season that that close my eyes and i think about it are those balls that are driven in that perfect area that dissects the six yard box and that was either an overlapping fullback or a winger hitting those balls across with whether it's their weak foot um or or favored foot but the balls would frequently go in that space and they're not so much this season and then I look at the situation I wonder why and of course Sacra, as I said in the blog is improving with his right foot Martinelli um, has always been fairly two-footed and does well with his left foot but his weakness in the in the game is not having his head up at all times has a very hunched style when he dribbles doesn't he so I'm wondering if we're missing those opportunities and so my wish is that they would occasionally switch sides and I think if Saka was coming in uh, beating his fullback and coming in from the left there's of course the most natural thing that he can do is just hit it with his favourite foot across the six-yard box and the same with Martinelli and they've both done it occasionally this season and in the past they've both started games in those areas and I just wonder if Saka on the left and Martinelli on the right on occasion would lead to more Gabriel Jesus tappings. Um or, you know, you've got the the other untapped source, which is the overlapping fullback, which we haven't utilised quite as much this season. We're inverting them more than overlapping them. But um but you know, Jacques has been down the wing a few times maybe that's an opportunity but a lefty on the left and a righty on the right would um, give us that opportunity I think and more goals more opportunities for goals that are sort of maybe being left on the table and the last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, I don't think this is going to be a problem and I think this might just be an advantage which is how players are going to act this season uh, coming up to the World Cup and what are we? We're about four and a half weeks away well, you know, players have never had this before where they uh, bleed straight into a World Cup essentially from their season and there will be players worldwide that step off their game and it'll be the players that know that their place on the plane is not settled and they uh i'm sorry the players on the plane that know their place is settled and they will be going to the world cup and they don't have to perform at the top level and they will step back that 10 15 percent and try not to get injured because if you get yourself a hamstring injury now you're probably going to miss the World Cup. And so, are we going to see that level of pressing? Are we going to see uh, players um, just not give quite their all? Uh, the back end of games, players wilt somewhat or pretend to wilt because they're not willing to risk injury when they get fatigued. And I think Arsenal, if they're anything, like I said at the beginning, is that they are a serious team. and I don't think that that culture is going to... Affect us, so this may be more of an advantage, but it's something to look out for. You know, they say the Brazilians, in particular, the World Cup means more to them than any other uh, nation, and I I believe that uh, you could see it in them. And so, you know, we've got a handful of those guys. Um, and you know, I look at somebody like Martinelli and and Jesus and the way that they play, the intensity that they play with, and um. Martinelli is still playing for a place. I do think that Jesus has one. Uh, And I think that's why he was left out of the last friendly, is because he has it and and the coach didn't need to see him. But either way, uh, I'm wondering how that's going to go for certain teams. And as more players miss the World Cup through muscular injuries and we've seen the situation with Richarlison this weekend, Rhys James, other players will see that. But it's just something to look out for um and the second thing i wanted to talk about with the january transfer window essentially sort of um, upon us in four and a half weeks or so i suppose right not quite but when the, we break for the world cup that's going to be about the last football that we're going to see before the january transfer window and you know, I'm I'm a wondering. I'm wondering what's going to happen in uh, N five, and you know we're getting whispers that Arsenal are going to reinforce, and that's really interesting to me, uh, as to what we're going to do. And I suppose the clue is, firstly, in what we tried to do in the summer, and up until the last day out of the window, we tried to buy uh, a defensive midfielder. So I think that we'll go for two. I think it'll be a defensive midfield and then possibly a winger. And that'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, the short-term fixes have been chucked out the window. I think that whole experiment thing, I think the the club will rather stick with who they've got and rely on Sambi and El Elneny coming back, for example, Smith Rowe coming back to play in the wing, than they would beat her to do a short-term Denis Suarez loan. But... Um, really interested, and um, I do have my my target list. So there's a couple that I would be most interested in for the defensive midfield role. Uh, one I spoke about last week, which is and Gisa of Napoli, who played for Fulham for years in the Premier League, and they're saying has been the best player in Serie A in uh, Napoli's 10 wins in a row. He is a fantastic, versatile midfielder with... Every kind of attribute you could want, uh, including some attributes that we don't really have in our midfield. But as an option for Thomas Partey, and not just that, but an option to play in any of the midfield positions, he could do that. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen in January. Napoli would be nuts to lose their most informed player when they're likely going to try and win the league here. The other one is Moises. Uh, Saicedo, Caicedo uh, from Brighton Again, not sure that that's going to happen In January, but That's a super player, that guy uh, And he looks very much to me uh, Like N'Golo Kante um, Did pre-prime um, And just his performances Becoming more and more consistent And uh, his quickness Over short spaces To win balls to To nick them, to intercept them to start the play moving vertically, love him. And then by far the the most exciting winger that I've seen recently is uh, Michaela Mudrick from Shakhtar, Uh, the handsome blonde chap um, who I think most of the world is apparently chasing, but the big question is they're going to want somewhere around 50 million, I believe, and are we going to want to put 50 million into somebody that's going to be a squad rotational option because they're not going to come in and take Sacra Martinelli's place straight away. I don't think there's anybody in the world that would do that because those boys are just on form and just stepping up the ladder of improvement at all times. But something to think about. Anyway, fantastic weekend. I hope that uh, your weekend was was just as good and maybe you should go watch a college English soccer game and uh, go stand next to the old chap in the flat cap who was walking past with his dog, and is the only guy out there watching it. And then think about the University of Tennessee beating Alabama fifty-two to forty-nine, and a hundred and three thousand people being interested in watching college kids play. It quite is certainly the spectacle. Thanks again for reading, listening. Cheers. <laughs>